I mean, I've heard, oh, the weather was bad that year, or, um, oh, you know, it was a tough economic time. It's like, well, whatever it is, it is. Suck it up. You're an entrepreneur. Like, your whole job is to basically adapt to changing circumstances. Welcome to the Startup CPG podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Freitag. Today is part six of our podcast series with Seth Goldman, Startup CPG's entrepreneur in residence, who has been joining us once a month to talk hot topics in CPG. This episode's questions came from you because for the first time ever, we had listeners call and write in questions for Seth. Also, last time we talked to Seth, Coca-Cola had just announced their decision to discontinue Honest Tea. And since then, Seth and team at Eat the Change have decided to launch the Just Ice Tea line. So we get the early details straight from the source. In case this is your first episode with Seth, you may know him as the co-founder of Honest Tea and author of Mission in a Bottle. And Seth is now the co-founder and CEO of Eat the Change, co-founder of Plant Burger, and chair of the board for Beyond Meat. Listen in as Seth answers all your tough questions around scaling without compromising values, his most challenging low points, influencer marketing, fundraising, recessions, and more. Hi, Seth. Welcome back to the show. Always good to have you here. How are you today? I'm good, Jesse. Good to be with you again. Lots, lots of things happening out here. Yes, yeah. Since we we last chatted, our episode the was hot off the press of the news of Coca Cola's decision about honest tea, and now getting to chat with you again. So we have some questions that have submitted from the audience, but I want to start with uh, some questions from me about getting an update <laughs> from you about you know what's going on. It sounds like Eat the Change is going to be launching a line of teas. Tell us what's what's happening. Yeah, we are. So, you know, initially my first reaction was just shock and obviously disappointment. Uh, and then what happened is we started first and I posted something on LinkedIn and, and other places and just heard a phenomenal response back from our customers and our consumers and our partners who were so eager to see us go back in. And then we started to get approached by other companies saying, hey, we could you know bring out a line of bottle tea. You could sort of be the face of it. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. We're the ones who built on this team, the team that we have here uh, at Eat the Changes, that core team. And, and you know, we should not be I'm delegating that to anybody. We should be doing it ourselves. And we found a, um, as we started to talk to the, the partners in the supply chain, they were all, yeah, let's do this. Let's go. You know, we will um, do it even more, even more so. And so, um, so we are launching a line of bottled tea, organic bottled tea uh, that will be fair trade certified and lightly sweetened similar in many ways to Honest Tea, but, but also with its unique differences as we sort of put it through the Eat the Change lens. Uh, and, and we'll have its own brand name as well. So it'll be under the Eat the Change umbrella, but it will be a, 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 you know, a separately branded line of bottled tea. And of course, my co-founder, Barry, is back in it. And, and of course, Spike, my co-founder for Eat the Change, is um, helping with the formulation and, and you know, part of it as well. Awesome. That's great. I'm excited to see uh, Spike's contribution to the, yeah. uh, to the, the, the recipes. Yeah, exactly. The chef-crafted touch and, and their delicious teas. And uh, we're moving fast. And, and I think, you know, your community of uh, startup CPG folks can appreciate. So we basically made the decision here in May that we were going to do uh, toward the end of May, because uh, I didn't find out from Coke until the beginning of May. Uh, and we will be um, doing our, our trial production run in August and a, a full scale production run in September. Wow. Yeah, that is very fast. That's awesome. That's how we roll. 
<laughs> and last time we chatted, you know, we 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 talked a little bit about, you know, would you launch a tea company again? And well, you know, the you have answered the question. You you said yes, and then you know, yeah, yes. The answer really is yes. You are doing it again. Yeah, but if you had asked me, you know, two months ago, I would have said no because Honest Tea was out there doing what it mm -hmm. um, what I wanted a tea company to do. Once we got the news that Honesty was not going to be out there doing that, I said, well, this is an important need. It's an important need for the consumer in terms of having that less sweet taste, but it's also an important need for these these tea growing communities. I mean, we, we and I guess I, invested a lot of effort to help um, these communities move to organic and fair trade practices, which I think are, are better for the communities and better for the environment. And so the worst thing to do would have been to get these communities all <laughs> invested in this process and then, you know, basically abandon them to. And, and that, that essentially what is what would have happened had honesty disappeared and no one else stepped in. Um, and so it's really important for the economic viability of these communities that they have uh, a customer who can purchase at scale and, and support, you know, what fair trade does is invest in, 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 in the broader parts of these communities. It helps them earn, um, it, it moves them away from being a subsistence economy where you're just sort of sold at commodity prices and, and it helps them gain a premium price that allows them to invest in schools and healthcare, their own infrastructure, and, and frankly, their own economic futures. Right. Yeah. Have you also have your the retail partners that have carried honest tea over the years that are going to be you know losing mm. that that on the shelf have have you gotten some response from them yet are you going to be reaching response. out wow. wow phenomenal response they're so excited and and look you know honest tea was the top selling bottled tea brand in the natural channel it, and, yeah. and it still was even when coke <laughs> decided to discontinue it so there's a lot of shelf space that is um would otherwise be vacated and so you know um and that look i'm sure other brands will, will move in as well but there needs to be a place for what honesty stood for. And what we're doing is going to be very similar in a lot of ways to what honesty is. But like I said, it, it will have its own um, own brand name and its own uh, formulations. Yeah. Do you anticipate this, you know, adding to the Eat the Change uh, team quickly to help support yes. adding a whole yeah. product line? We need to. Well, it, what it does is it gives us a lot more uh, volume and throughput and relevance to the retailer because uh, we love our snacks and we know there's a great opportunity there, but we also know the bottled tea business um, just is higher volume, higher velocity, and and, and certainly more visible. So uh, yes, we, we already have um, several uh, team members, many of them you know, from the earlier Honest Tea team, but some other new ones who will be coming on to help make sure we can scale this the right way and, and, and take advantage of an immediate opportunity. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. So is there anything else you want to share about what's yeah. upcoming around the, the name or any other? Yeah, so having, we are excited about the name. We put a lot of effort into it. We were playing around with different names that so we wanted to sort of create the right uh, attributes. You know, for me, when I heard Honesty the first time from my co-founder, Barry, it just kind of felt like, oh, the sky's part of that name makes so much sense. And with this one, we worked hard on different names and sort of uh, played around with a lot of different ideas, but the one we landed on is Just Ice Tea. Oh. And um, it's a really fun name. You know, it has a lot of different meanings with different how you interpret it. So it certainly speaks to just in terms of the working conditions for the fair trade tea farmers. It also mm -hmm. speaks to the taste of just tea and not a lot of other flavoring. It also speaks to the just sweeten up sweetness profile. And it also speaks to the relationship we seek with the environment, where we, we try to do the just, you know, act with justice toward the environment, where we're, you know, taking or minimizing or reducing or eliminating uh, chemical inputs that are, are harmful to the ecosystems we source from and harmful to the people who grow the tea leaves and we think harmful to the consumer as well. So a lot of different layers of meaning 
for it. And uh, that's the name that we'll be putting on it. And over time, we'll look to have the, not in the first production run, but over time, we'll look to have the Eat the Change logo on the bottle cap. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, I was as uh was prepping for this episode, I was my br- my mind got stuck on how do you come up with a name like Honest Tea is such a good <laughs> name, but I I love that just iced tea that that's great that just has so many meanings that that's awesome. I'm Thank you. We're we're excited about it. Yeah, I'm I'm thrilled. I had stopped at the convenience store after our last episode and made sure to get a um, you know, a, bo- a bottle of honest tea <laughs> on my uh, walk home. So I'm glad that that's uh, you know going to be able to continue to get that you know just uh, just the right amount of sweetness uh, tea that yep. that's still going to be there in the market. I'm excited for, sure. for what you all are doing. Thank you. We're, we're, it's going to be fun. And um, this is one of these things, and I, this is an important. I think for me, I, one lesson I would really want to impart to your audience is. You know, this is a good case of karma, um, where what you, how you act comes back around. So, you know, it was in the bottle tea business for 23 years. And um, what we're finding as we stand up this brand that all the partners we worked with before want to work with us again or are reaching out to us to work with us again. And as you know, you know, that it doesn't always go that way. <laughs> yeah. 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 You, so, so how you act really makes a difference. And so, you know, there may have been a time with a partner where there was a disputed bill and we may have taken our, you know, uh, maybe a little bit more of it than we should have. But, you know, we treated the person in a way that they felt was fair. And, and um, you just never know who you're going to need to rely on in the future. And, and so, like I say, for us, this has been a, a really gratifying experience, you know, and in some cases, like with uh, um, some of our key suppliers, I'm now dealing with the sons uh, of the, of the, I was, I wanted Mm. to say daughters, but in general, these are the, it is generally the sons of the fathers who I sort of established the business with, and they feel like they're carrying on their father's work. And so they're proud to participate. And, and so just every, everyone you interact with as you build a business, you, 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 you're doing your, that's branding work too, how you treat them, how you pay them, how you interact with them, how you negotiate with them. And and at least um, while this brand obviously has no direct relationship to Honest Tea, in a way we're benefiting from the, the business practices of Honest Tea um, that you know, we had over the, the previous 20 years. Yeah, I think that's so important that you mentioned that. And even, even to have to have maintained all those good things too through an acquisition, I think there's a tendency of when you're getting acquired or you've sold of like, oh, well, I'm done with, I'm done with that business. You yeah. you know, you could have said, well, I'm never going to do iced tea again. So whatever, I'm out of here yeah. and just kind of let those relationships end. But you really intentionally, you know, you yeah. cared about the mission. You continued to nurture everything and here everything is coming back around. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Great. Well, thank you so much for the update. And then we have We've had questions submitted from our community. We said, if you could ask Seth Goldman anything, what, <laughs> what would you ask him? Um, so we've got we've got a set of questions that uh, that I'm gonna you know give to you from the community and and Great. get your thoughts on. Let's do it. Awesome. So our first question is from Maria. Hi there, Seth. Is Maria here, founder of TerraSeed? My question for you is, how do you scale a company? without compromising your mission? Mm, yeah, this is one of my favorites. And so the key here, I always uh, think, is to ingrain your mission into the into the product, right? 
So uh, let's just go to the just ice that we were just talking about. So every bottle we sell is going to be less sweet than uh, other bottled teas in the market, or certainly than the, the, the mainstream bottled teas in the market. It's going to be organic uh, sourcing, and all the teas will be fair trade certified which means we're with every purchase, we're uh, investing back into these communities, the working conditions are inspected. And so uh, this business uh, will be mission uh, consistent from the first bottle we sell. And if we sell 10,000 bottles or a million bottles, it'll have that same impact just magnified. And so that's for me, the way to make sure it's you, you, you don't get your mission diluted. You start in the same with eat the change, of course, right? Every, every crop we use is a, is a water efficient crop. Every uh, ingredient is nutrient dense. Um, everything is organic, and we're also relying on inputs. You know, we're avoiding the the six largest crops that rep- that sort of compromise biodiversity and agriculture. So you you want to ingrain your mission into the product, and then you basic. I don't want to say you don't have to worry about it because you still you still do, but you, then you just focus on growth, and and you know that the more you do, the more impact you have. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Rather than being it being an afterthought or a side yeah, project. Oh no, Because look, a lot of folks, you'll hear them say, oh, we want to give away all our profits. Well, as, as our community of startup CPG folks knows, there's no profits in a, in a startup business yeah. for the first few years. So you can't really be giving away. There's nothing to give away. You can give away product, but you're not giving away profits. And so you, you really got to ingrain that mission into the into the business. Awesome. All right. So next question. Hi, my name is Blair Crichton from Karana. My question for Seth is, everyone loves to talk about all the glory, (laughs) uh, but what was the most challenging and low Mm. point in the startup journey and how did you manage out of it? Thanks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I literally wrote a whole, whole book about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. Yeah. I mean, so, so first of all, um, the one thing to just have as, a, as an overall mindset is just resilience and you just can't get too, you can't get too mired in the low points, but we had so many, I mean, so, so, you know, we had this bottling plant that we owned for six years, and those were the six longest years of my life. And it was just brutal. Every it was in Pittsburgh, which is about four hours away from Bethesda, where I live. And so I'd be doing these just brutal drives uh, there and back. And the plant was never really successful from a business perspective, and there were always problems. And it it, it got to the point where like I was, it was compromising my ability to grow Honest Tea. It was it was a totally different business. You know, Honest Tea was about branding and innovation. And a bottling plan is about change parts and labor shifts and water issues, none of which were adding value to honesty. And eventually, we recognized that and were able to um, basically sell off the assets of the of the, the bottling plan and, and move away from it. But that was a challenging one. Another time in our first year was brutal, where um, we were doing a, a early production run and it was in a blizzard. And I um, up in Buffalo, and so I had to try to get back from Buffalo to D.C. in a blizzard, uh, driving in a snowstorm. And uh, came out of the tunnel, hit some black ice, and you know the car flipped off the road. That was a low point for sure. Oh. Uh, I had, in fact, on the in the car because I had to get to a trade show. I had tons of bottles, and so there's just broken glass everywhere. Oh. And, yeah, it was not a it was not a, a good appointment. And and you know my wife was angry at me for sort of being uh, risky. You know, risking too risky with my behavior, but I had, you know, sort of put the business over my safety and that wasn't a good decision. Uh, and then of course, you know, 
I didn't win any fans on the home front <laughs> with that decision either. So, um, I see, you know, with these types of things, you just got to have a short memory and you got to just get back and, and try to keep your eye on the big picture. And, you know, we've talked before about resilience and why it's so important. And so you just got to tap those reserves when, when you get into those types of situations and move on. Yeah. Yeah. So next question. Hi, Seth. My name is John Inniger with Midwest Muscle Nutrition. We have a patent pending on a pretty significant advancement in the ready-to-eat supplement space that we would like to explore licensing. Do you have any tips for approaching potential licensors or for mm. best practices for structuring a deal? Hmm. You know, I think to the extent you can share a prototype, um, that will help. Um, rather than just say, hey, do you want to do this? Because then they don't they don't quite understand how it works. But so that's important to share the prototype. And, but then the other thing just to be careful about is, especially if you're going to these bigger companies, they're gonna, their first question is going to be, do we need these guys? Uh, and mm-hmm. so I, I guess it's patent pending. But, you know, patents and food are tough. They're, they're not usually, um, they can be difficult to enforce because, you know, you could say, well, we've got a process and we use, um, you know, berries and vanilla. And then they'll say, well, we use vanillas and berries. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, so, you know, it's, 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 it's not hard to copy it may not be a direct copy, but it's um, to the end consumer, the impact may be the same. So I would just um, make sure you really um, have a point of difference that, that can't be copied and then uh, apply it to you know the relevant innovation so that somebody can see and say, okay, yeah, I understand how that makes sense for us. Just kind of make it easy for, for, for them to capture their imagination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. We've got another question from Paul. Hi, Seth. It's Paul Bopre with Full Foods. There's been a lot of investments in fungi, fermentation, and microalgae to yes. improve and future-proof our food systems. What are your thoughts on microalgae as part of the solution? Well, I don't know that much about microalgae. I certainly know a lot about fungi because that's what yeah. the change mushroom jerky is made with. And I do recognize that mushrooms are going to continue, my, mushrooms and, and algae are going to continue to be in, of interest for the functionality but also for the resource efficiency, you know, they can be grown with very few inputs and yet still provide real nutrients. So I think there's opportunity there. I, I think, I don't think about the ingredients specifically as much as what is the function you're making available to consumers? What are the benefits that, you know, why should a consumer um, be interested in that? So I think you'll want to make sure you can communicate what are the benefits of microalgae and what what can it do in the diet? How does it help? So I, I think the opportunities are going to be consistent with the a brand or a marketer's ability to help consumers understand what's there. So, you know, what's growing? We know uh, interest in function is growing. Um, their interest in resource efficiency is growing. And then, you know, it could be microalgae, but it could be another ingredient. If they can help consumers understand what the benefits are and make it taste great, then I'm confident there'll be opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it seems to me like with something like, you know, algae, you have a little bit it's it's it can be harder to make that connection as a consumer of like okay now i'm eating this like with with something like fungi and mushrooms you know maybe the word fungi might be hard but then you're like oh mushrooms like i know mushrooms like i eat mushrooms yeah. i get it but like algae you know sometimes you'll see like spirulina and it's like oh yeah. that's cool and then you're like oh well that's algae like you have to like right. you know and then people but that's people the will kind of get it with the different names so yeah. I, so, right, there's a little bit of a, there may be a little bit of resistance to the name. So you have to sort of make sure, that's why I wouldn't play it up too. I mean, m- once again, you want to prioritize the function. What does it do for you? Or, mm-hmm. you know, um, versus just the, right, the word algae on its own isn't necessarily a, a mar- marketing charm. <laughs> that right. may not help. Right. Yeah. All right. And then we've got a question 
about uh, influencer marketing. So Mm -hmm. this is from Yash. I'd love to get Seth's thoughts on what he thinks the future of influencer marketing looks like for primarily D2C brands, especially after Facebook ads are performing worse Mm. and worse after some changes. And what do some brands get wrong about influencer marketing today? Yeah, my take on this is I always like authentic um, endorsements. You know, basically paying somebody to say something nice doesn't really mean anything um, because anybody, you know, you pay someone enough, they'll say something nice. So I would much rather see a real engagement. So I'm not against celebrity. I recognize that celebrities can have an impact on something, but I'd much rather see the celebrity genuinely have an interest, you know, be, be a consumer of the product integrated into their lifestyle. You know, just having a celebrity post something and, you know, with, with a brand is like, it just doesn't, it can really be meaningless. So what I, I, first to the celebrities, I would say, if there's products you're passionate about, you know, do that integration already on your own. And then, you know, that'll certainly catch a brand's attention. And then it makes sense if you're, and if you're a brand and you see a celebrity doing that, reach out to them and say, Hey, we love how you're, you know, a customer of this product. Let's do some things together. And then it's, then it's natural and it makes sense uh, and it can, can have a real impact. Um, so I think what folks get wrong is just assuming, oh, just because some, you know, someone's going to hold something <laughs> and that's going to, you know, get a lot of views means it's going to lead to sales. And I just, that, that's a mistake. Um, so I, I do think there's a future for it, but I would really make sure to emphasize authenticity on both sides, you know, from the, um, from the celebrity and from the brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got a financing question from Lillian. Do you have any thoughts uh, to share about raising via debt versus equity Mm. and then the different types of equity of non-VC or friends and family, angels? Yes, absolutely. So it depends on what stage you're at. But I certainly, as an early stage entrepreneur, I think angel funding is going to be the, the best option because it will certainly be available in smaller amounts, which is generally what you need. It'll have more flexibility. Um, it takes more, it's more labor intensive and you have to talk to more people, but it gives you a chance to really sharpen your pitch. And, and these are people who are genuinely going to be more supportive. They're not going to look to put on all types of terms and join your board and all of that. Um, debt is awfully hard to come by as a startup CPG brand, because what's going to happen is that if it's debt and that means a bank or a lender is going to look for some security. And so, you know, um, with Honest Tea back in the day, we, we, whenever we got a line of credit, they said, well, you have to guarantee it. And so what's going to guarantee it? I, you know, I certainly didn't have the assets to personal assets to guarantee it. I said, well, well, you know, let us put up, put your home against them. Like, oh, that's not a fun idea, but, but I did that. And, and then, you know, as our, as we, as the business grew, we took on more debt. I'm like, well, this is far, this is beyond what I'm able to um, collateralize. And they're like, well, that's okay. As long as, as long as we know your focus, which of course I was <laughs> focused. Um, but so debt is just hard to come by. It, it's, it's in a sense better if you find folks who will lend, um, but it's, it's tough to come by. And, and um, there's, there's certain times where you may be able to, you know, you take debt on or collateralize your, your receivables or maybe have some equipment. Um, but in general, equity is going to be uh, the more n- um, normal or more typical way to fund a business. You know, that said, the less money you have to raise, the less you have to give up. So, um, you know, do what you can to, to minimize your cash burn. I mean, there's other ways to finance a business. And, and so, for example, like as we get back into the bottle tea business, here we are, we're, we're looking to buy millions of bottles. Um, and as I said, I'm, I'm dealing that with the son of the bottle salesman I used to work with. 
And, um, you know, one, one of the ways we'll be able to afford to launch this business is by getting extended terms. And so in, in a sense, extended terms really is like a line of credit, right? I mean, we're still on the hook to pay it, but if I, if I can pay him in 60 days instead of 30 days, that's going to really help for a period of time. And then what we always do is we'll true up as the you know, business accelerates or we get into the peak of the season. Um, but but I, that's there's that's that's a form of debt that I would encourage every entrepreneur to explore, and it gives you a chance to understand what kind of partners you're dealing with. And, and so, as I mentioned, that karma being really important. You know, there's no way if I had stiffed this guy's uh, father, you know, and not paid my bills or not paid on time, I wouldn't have been able to get extended terms. But basically, over you know several decades, I established good relationships and good credit, and then that that pays off as we start talking with the son about buying bottles on extended term. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. Another question from David. Are you seeing consumer behavior change as a result of inflation and supply chain issues? And if so, what tactics are you Mm -hmm. taking to address it? Yeah. No, it's tough out there. I mean, you know, we're seeing costs go up everywhere. So one thing I'll say is I am surprised that as costs go up, it's not a full pullback. Um, But that said, you know, there's no question things are selling more when they're on sale. Um, so consumers are responding to, to that for sure. Um, but they're not stopping buying premium products. Um, we know that you know, we still see these products, you know, gain appeal. Um, but you know, there's no question the costs are going up across the board. We're seeing it in freight. We're seeing it in a lot of the oils. Um, and I don't, I frankly don't see those costs um coming down anytime soon. So, you know, one thing that's always painful, at least for me, but I assume for other entrepreneurs too, is raising prices. You you do everything you can to avoid it, but you you as long as everyone else is doing it, which seems to be what's happening, you know, you've got to raise your prices too. You can't uh, just cross your fingers and hope it'll all work out. And so, you know, we've talked about this before. Gross margin is just so critical for um, these businesses. You have to have that um, to fuel the business. And so, wherever you can find ways to, 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 to shortcut. So for example, you know, if, if you used to ship your freight to customers, can you make an FOB? Because a lot of times these, these distribution companies will pick up um, and will, you know, they'll still have an upcharge, but it, it's going to make it, they may have a better efficiency than you might. And in a sense, that's a way for you to lower your spending you're still, you know, it's being passed on to the consumer, but maybe not as much. So that's that's one way to for, for a CPG brand to be able to, um, you know, address a cost issue um, and hopefully not pass on too much to the consumer. Right. And do you, you know, you mentioned consumers are still buying premium products, but do you have you seen any change on the consumer side? Are they thinking about things differently as as you know prices increase, or or are we not? Are you not quite seeing the the impact on the consumer yeah. side yet? I'm not seeing it yet, but you know, um, I think there's so many other variables going on in the world, right? The markets are doing mm-hmm. crazy things, and people are. What's really puzzling to me is all these people who aren't working. Like, I don't get how that's all going <laughs> to sort out. Like, what are the? How are these people? How how is, is that spending going to change? Right? If people are just working less, you assume they're earning less. Um, and so, will their spending on premium products lower? I assume it will, but I haven't seen. We, so far, we haven't seen it. Now, you know, we're still on the early side of this, uh, but maybe, maybe over. You know, the, if the if we do it, dip into a recession or, or the markets continue to stay down, um, that that'll really um, change what way people act. Mm-hmm. Since you've been through 
multiple recessions. I'm curious oh. how you, I, I don't mean that in, <laughs> um, I just, you've got a lot of yeah. experience. Um, yeah. you know, like, do you, do you think about it any differently of like, Oh, I've, I've weathered brands through this before. Is there yeah. anything you prepare for? Or are you just kind of like, well, yeah. this is just the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. Yeah, there is definitely the ups and downs. And so, you know, I, basically I don't, as an entrepreneur, I don't, there's really no excuses for anything. Like someone say, Oh, well, we, you know, I mean, I've heard, Oh, the weather was bad that year or, um, Oh, you know, it was a tough economic time. It's like, well, whatever it is, it is suck it up. You're an entrepreneur. Like your whole job is to basically adapt to changing circumstances. So, you know, um, we used to joke at honesty because someone would talk about the weather and say, wait, are you a weatherman or a salesman? And, <laughs> uh, and it's true. Weather does have an impact, but you've got to, you know, your job is to find a way to, 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 to build a business, not to make excuses. And so, you know, one of the things that is true is that even during tough economic times, people don't necessarily stop spending on premium products because those, they may they may not take a trip, you know, or they may not buy the fancier car, um, but they'll sort of make sure to enjoy, you know, a, a $2 bottle of tea, you know what I mean? So, so mm-hmm. it, it doesn't always correlate directly that when it's a tough economic time, um, spending on these kind of products goes down um, sometimes, you know, and, and we've seen that in other uh, categories as well. So it, it, it is just a matter of what you want to pay, I'd say more attention to is which way categories are trending are you know, are people buying more tea or less tea? Are people looking for more organic or less organic? And those things sometimes occur independent of um, what's going on in the economy. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And then we've got a marketing question from Brad. So you did a lot of giveaways for for Earth Month on yes. Instagram and wondering if if you still find value in this type of promotion for small brands it can take a lot of time to organize mm-hmm. online giveaways and do you think for smaller brands is that always the right place to spend time on social media growth? What are your kind of thoughts on on where yeah. people spend time? So, one of the neat things about the Incredible Planet challenges is that we integrated it with dozens of other brands. And so what we helped do is gain visibility for all of them. And so mm-hmm. some of them, you know, some of the brands we partnered with had larger followings, some of them had smaller followings. But you know, when we can connect as a result of the initiative, we, uh, our brand and the, the Incredible Planet Challenge gained visibility with a much larger, when you combine all of those audiences, it was larger than any one brand, you know, and the giveaways were spread out across all the brands too. So, so while Eat the Change definitely gave away some of the product, it, the other brands gave away products too. And it was a, it was a real community effort. And so uh, different ways to evaluate that. The first thing, you know, for us, that Incredible Planet Challenge really was about a broad, trying to create a broad movement about people changing their eating habits. So, you know, it wasn't just about selling products. So, you know, if I look at it, did, did, did Eat the Change sell, you know, more jerky or carrot chews because of the Incredible Planet Challenge? I don't know. And I, frankly, that wasn't the point of the, the initiative. Did we get more exposure and get more people thinking about how to eat and, and what they eat? Yes. And so that was the goal there. So from that point of view, it was worth it. And, you know, did we get more eyeballs on our brand uh, and, and did we help sort of position ourselves as a thought leader in this? Yes. And those the, those were important objectives as well. So I, I, um, depending on the initiative, you don't always only want to measure the results based on what you sell. Though, of course, at the end of the day, that's certainly a, an important uh, yardstick. Right. That makes sense. And it, I, I think it makes sense, like you said, of really honing in on what the intention is, because I think... A lot of times, at least when like when I was starting at Live Bar, 
brands would be reaching out saying, hey, let's do a giveaway. You know, we're about the same size or whatever. You're like, oh, sure. But then you haven't really defined a purpose. You know, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to sell product? Are we trying to gain visibility? And then also giveaways can just, you know, they can just kind of continue. You just keep kind of saying next to the yes, the next Mm -hmm. one. And it seems like what you guys did at Eat the Change was, you know, we're we're creating a challenge, we're building awareness, we're setting a limited time, we're choosing all these partners. So it was very intentional versus like saying yes to another, you know, random email. Yeah. And are you leveraging, you know, what whatever your partner's community is, you know, that for us is an important consideration as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then our last question is about customer acquisition cost. Um, and lifetime customer lifetime value, and because yeah. a lot more lot more investors are asking about those versus there used to yeah. be a lot of talk about uh, ROAS or return on ad spend. So, yeah. do you think about these metrics that eat the change? <laughs> let, let me put it this way: Yeah, somebody somebody at Eat the Change does. I don't. I, <laughs> uh, look, uh, the simple idea is you want to be able to <laughs> make more money than you spend, right? You want to be so you you but. For, from our point of view, we're in a super early stage, so we really can't quantify that. And we're not, by the way, we're not a real e-commerce brand yet. We will be, but for now, we're so retail focused. So for me, my focus on how do I get people in stores to buy our product? And so the the it's certainly not the, well, I wouldn't say it's not the most cost effective, but the, 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 the strategy that we employ is sampling. And we, we, you and I have talked before about field marketing mm-hmm. and why I think it's so important. And so once again, we have our road warriors uh, out in the field in stores giving out samples. And it's, it, I'm, 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 I know there are other ways, but I do know this way works. Meaning if somebody tastes your product, they understand what it is. And if they like it, they'll buy it. Now, those are, those are not given things, right? Meaning someone may not understand it, but if they're in a demo, they have a better chance of understanding it and they may not like it, but if they're in a demo, they'll at least be able to taste it. And so um, I know this works, and I, it, but it is labor intensive. You know, the cost of the intern, the cost of the product you're giving away, um, you know, that that's, there's a cost to it, but um, we're confident and we've seen it. I mean, obviously, Honest Tea, Honest Kids, it, we're built that way. And so um, for us, that's, um, it, it, it's not going to lead to a, you know, we don't make money at a demo, meaning, you know, um, but if you say that you secure a customer who then has a repeat rate of whether it's a month or even a, every few weeks, which is often the case in these categories, then that was a worthwhile spend. So mm-hmm. um, that's how I look at it. In terms of e-commerce, yeah, you do get into much more uh, calculations because you know what you're spending and you'll know what you're selling. And, and so you should look at it that way. But we're not yet really an e-commerce brand. Uh, one of the interesting things we're debating here is... Should we be doing e-commerce with our new tea line? Now, it's a glass bottle line. And my point mm-hmm. of view is there's no environmental way to sell glass bottles um, that's environmentally efficient. Between the packaging and the weight, it's just a waste of materials, a waste of energy. Um, now, my team and some of them are salespeople, you know, say, well, you know, it's a big business opportunity. But I, I'm kind of leaning toward just not selling bottled tea online. And I know there's, you know, some revenue to be uh, made, but I, I, from my point of view, I'm leaning against it. And that, that would mean we would just go into retail with it. And, and you know, we think that's a pretty good opportunity on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Great. Well, that was awesome. We, we had a variety of topics uh, covered in our question. So uh, thanks for rolling with all of those. Do you sure, have any, uh, yeah. do you have any final 
thoughts you want to share for today? Yeah, I mean, I I think this this uh, next these next few weeks will be really interesting, right? So one thing that is unsettling, and my guess is most of your audience is 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 just what is happening to all these prices, right? You know, it just feels like every week something is getting more expensive, and the freight thing just keeps going up, and and it is so that that's. That's challenging. Where we're all sort of scrambling for margin to to, to not um, get margin is is worrisome, <laughs> or to feel like it's continued threat. And, and of course, you, you don't want to raise pricing all the time too. Um, so I, I I don't have an answer here, just to say that you know I help people understand we're all going through it, um, and wherever you can. Um, so one idea is to like work with your supplier and say, look, I can make a volume commitment to you. I can't take all of the product now and I can't pay for it all now, but I can make a commitment to that. And that's one way to, um, work with a supplier gives them a little bit of confidence and helps you hopefully lock in some pricing that they can serve you well. And obviously if any suppliers, it's also a, a right time to just make sure you're taught, you know, looking competitively at whatever you're buying, you know, and, and every, every little uh, Penny makes a difference right now. So if someone else wants your business and they have a chance to, you know, meet your general terms by giving you a lower price, or, or uh, it's certainly worth listening to them. And I, I encourage everyone to think that way. Yeah, that's a that's a great final thought for some from very challenging times. So I appreciate yeah. that um, for our community. And well, thank you so much, Seth. This has been great to get an update on all the exciting, you know, up, upcoming things. It's uh, It's been super fun to hear. And then also just great for you to answer some of our community's questions. So thanks so much for being here and excited sure. to to follow along with, with yes. what's next. Stay tuned. We'll be, you know, releasing the label design and label messages and the varieties of, of tea as well. So we'll have some fun with that in the coming months. Awesome. That sounds great. Thank okay. you. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks for joining us. This Startup CPG podcast is executive produced by me, Jesse Freitag. Theme music is by the Super Fantastics. We'd love to have you join our community of founders and experts. Get the invite at startupcpg.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. It's the easiest way to help us grow our community. See you next time.